to Mad Toast Live, recorded in front of a live audience. We're at the Brink Lounge, 701 East Washington Avenue, right down the hill from the Capitol Building in Madison, Wisconsin. We're your hosts. I'm Mary Gaines, and this is Chris Wagoner. Thank you all for coming tonight. We are glad to be here tonight, finally, with Claudia Schmidt. so busy. Isn't that great? You say to somebody, how are you? And they look at you and they go, oh, you know, busy. And they kind of have this deer in the headlights look and you don't know as well, is that good or what? So a friend of mine and I decided that busy was actually like code for born under the sign of you better. And we decided that um, we would try to retrain ourselves from that knee-jerk response of saying busy. So when somebody says, how, how is everything going? How are you? you, you that you look back and you say, oh, uh, uh, fruitful and, and, uh, and beneficent. And try to figure out any kind of, uh, oh, my life is full. It's very full. A friend of mine gave me a present. I just want to share it with you before I do this first song. Because um, I, uh, it's such a great thing. Um, it's the emergency yodel button. And, and it says, it looks like a classic for you, for you who aren't here or who are on the, listening on the radio. It looks like the classic sort of fire alarm red thing with the button in the middle. But when you press it, it goes. professionals and they were spending so little time together that my friend said um, the only time we see each other is at therapy and then we look at each other and go oh you again thank God for a rich fantasy life all night I waited for you to come to me finally I dozed and you appeared immediately in my dream and took my hand if only I'd fallen asleep hours ago, we could have spent the whole night together. <laughs> Our country fell to someone's selfish goal. The Dow took another plunge into the hole. The weather guarantees us flood and drought. With a new bankruptcy laws, there's no way out. Well, this happiness must be some earthly It's useless to surmise or to decide 
Ironically enough to keep me grounded <laughs> and uh, I just uh, they are my my spirit animals always have been and I There are a couple of things I wanted to do tonight a song especially for my friend Lou Berryman who's here tonight and a big bird lover um, and 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 also maybe for both Peter and Lou because I heard them talking earlier today about harbingers of spring and um, and I um, there's a there's a piece that I wrote that deals with um, a particular bird I look to as a harbinger of spring it used to be, you know, people considered the robin a harbinger of spring, but robins can't be counted on anymore. Robins are opportunists. And if there's a food source, they stay around all winter. So, and, but there, there is one particular bird still, especially when you're out driving a lot, like I have been in late winter, early spring, that really is truly a harbinger of spring. So I'm going to do this little spoken word piece <clears throat> and, then a, and then a song that was inspired by two chickadees in my backyard several years ago on a winter day who were calling back and forth to each other. And I realized that they were calling in consistent intervals that were um, minor thirds a half step apart. And uh, for those of you who are musicians, I mean, you know that's sort of a dark interval for a reputedly perky bird. So, um, <laughs> so I got really intrigued by that and um, figured out what the notes were and built chords around it and ended up writing this song called The Chickadee Blues. But first, our little harbinger of spring. <laughs> Thank you. 
A lover, I'm a lover of words, a, pl a, a player with of words, and um, and it, it being that I have these long drives, I do. Um, I get to what well, I, I, I describe it as kind of chewing. I get to chew on words. A word will pop into my head, and I just get to chew on it for a few hundred miles sometimes. And the one like recently, the word olives, just really recently, the word olives popped into my head. I was looking in a friend's refrigerator and I looked at this jar and for a minute what I saw was, oh, lives! <laughs> it was, it, I had this little, little just reality thing for a minute and um, shift. And, but the thing that, the word that got me going a, a little while back was the word familiar. Familiar, like familiarity breeds contempt. And, um, and uh, part of it was just going through some big changes in my life and it, and it just makes you more sensitive to uh, nuances shall we say? And so um, it struck me that there are, there are a couple of words sort of mixed up and familiar. Liar. 
and family. <laughs> and um, I started thinking about, oh, you know, baggage. And, um, and after a little while, this, this song came out, which is called Familiar. I remember reading somebody's memoir a long time ago. And he said, he started a chapter by saying, no matter how long you've been married or how happily, one day you wake up in bed with your sibling. For me, it was the point at which I called my now ex-husband from the road somewhere, and I realized that the voice he was using was the same voice he uses with his mother. And I went, I thought to myself, oh, crap. There is a liar in familiar. It will catch us by surprise if we take too much for granted. It's a shadow.
you. Well, some time back, I reached critical mess regarding um, something that I can only um, I, get, I can only explain as that's a result of the 24-hour news cycle, and that is the ascendancy of the experts. It used to be we could hear the news and then think about it or not, talk amongst ourselves or not, and then get on with life. But now, because of this endless vacuum that has to be filled, there's this whole, it's like a levels and sub-levels, a whole hierarchy of experts that get trotted out and uh, to tell us what we heard and what, you know, what we're thinking at this moment. And um, there was just one day when it just, finally, it, just, I, it just was just driving me crazy. So um, I had this fantasy of one of these guys walking out and just like standing there and going, beats me. <laughs> and, and that was what kind of launched me into this song. Although someone just emailed me a few days ago and said that they recently heard the Dalai Lama uh, speaking in Minneapolis. And in the Q&A at the end of his talk, he was asked if, if you, um, you know, some, if you had the opportunity, like the power to change one thing in the world, you know, what would that be? And he stood there for a minute and went, <laughs> and then he said, I don't know, and laughed his crazy Dalai Lama laugh. So I, I feel, it was like so great to get that information. I just think that's, that's wonderful. So, um, so, the, <laughs> so this has a part for you in it. He's my guy. He's my hero. So um, this has a part for you in it. Between each verse and chorus, I want you to be the honorary dudettes, which, uh, um, where you'll go, da-da-da-da-da. Mm, I mean, it's like heavy emphasis on the da. Okay, it's all about just like letting go here. So let's try that. Oh yes, I can see we're headed somewhere with this. The composure on the talking head could put your mind at ease. Assuring us with manly tones of inevitable victories. The stats are in the stars align the planets on our side. Just follow these instructions. Then he stopped and stared wide eyed. But a look of pure confusion washed across his startled face. Then a sigh of deep relief made his body tremble so as he softly murmured, I don't know. I don't know. Don't you wish they just say, I don't know? Turn off the mic and say, I gotta go. Your guess is just as good as mine. I'm so sorry, but I really 
don't know So let's convene a conference with the title <laughs> A celebration with no agenda of heated Connor Crow. First one person talking, then another think of that Listening and responding, each in turn a thoughtful chat Well there'd have to be some women there and children too, of course To bang the dumb drum when someone gets on their high horse to the deepest questions only seem to show after a healthy round of I don't know da 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 I don't know don't you wish they just say turn off the mic and say God oh go your guess is just as good as mine and then just maybe Honesty's the real, true art. The question never is a crime. Once more. Step on it, smash it. <laughs> We're here with Claudia Schmidt if you just don't, joined us. And if you just joined us, why were you before? For crying out loud. ClaudiaSchmidt.com. You can go find out more. It's S-C-H-M-I-D-T. And you're picking up a dulcimer. And I'm putting it down. Putting it down. <laughs> when, when did the dulcimer first introduce itself to you? Oh, man. Um... I, uh, I was living in Ann Arbor in 1972, and I saw, it, I saw a dulcimer. I'd never heard it before. I, I guess I'd, I'd heard Joni Mitchell, but I didn't realize that she was playing a dulcimer that wasn't really made public. And I saw a, I saw a dulcimer hanging on the wall of a music store in Ann Arbor, where I was at the time, yeah. and I was attracted to the shape of it. So, um, <clears throat> so I just got it. I bought it based on that and started teaching myself to play it. It's very sensuous. It is. Shape. Mm, curvy. And, um, yeah. and I think it was just like this plywood thing I paid 50 yeah. bucks for. I can't believe people put up with me playing it for a while. And <laughs> I, f I feel like I have to send out you know, forgiveness cards or something at some point. You know? There'd been a whole, there'd been blogs about it had there been an internet back then, I think. Uh, yeah, know. right. Yeah, it would have been. What's, what's up with Claudia's yeah. plywood <laughs> dulcimer? For what is that thing she's banging away on? Yeah. But um, yeah, that's how I kind of came up with an unusual style with a dulcimer, because I'd never heard one played. I didn't know anything about traditional dulcimer music, and um, 
I just started, you know, I call it my Motown dulcimer style, you know, because I, I was, it was, I just took everything I'd been hearing up to that point and put it into the dulcimer. So it's a great instrument, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's cool. And it, there we go. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But, and you can, you can grab a dulcimer and you can strum it because it's this open chord. Well, I tell people, yeah, that if you're going to start playing a musical instrument, the dulcimer is a great one to start on because it's a, an absolutely forgiving instrument. Because it's, it's, it's an, in an open tuning. It's, you can't make a bad note on it. Or you can make it very complicated. It's like life that way. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Yeah, so it's a good metaphor for life. Yeah. Speaking of, of making things complicated or not, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> you're, the, the album, CD Promising Sky... Your, your your new album, um, mix of folk and jazz, and you've really been mixing that up a lot for for a long time. But that what what have you discovered about about that in terms of like the, the audiences you're playing that for, the musicians that you've been playing with, coming from the folk world into the jazz world, and has there been that is a complicated. I don't know question. what the question is that I'm trying to. Ask. No, I know what it is, yeah. and it is complicated. Um, <laughs> Because um, for me, there's never been a, a cutoff point between one and the other, between any mm -hmm. kind of music and another kind of music. I've always just heard it as music and that I like or don't like. And um, so that's never been a problem for me, but it's a problem for other people sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, like when I started singing more jazz, playing more jazz, um, I found that I would that the some of the folk venues wouldn't hire me anymore because they went, oh, she's a jazz singer now, <laughs> and like I was going to show up at their folk venue in a sequin gown and sing bebop or something, you know, <laughs> like after thirty some years of music, I don't know my audience for gosh sakes, and um, so that's been a problem. Um, as far as 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 the audience goes, I, I most of my audience has been happy to come along for the ride, you yeah. know, whatever it is. And I, yeah. so, I so cherish that. You know, yeah. they know it's not going to be the same old, same old, that I might be off on some tangent that, you know, and that's, and that's fine, they trust me. It's a mutual trust thing, isn't it, over the years, yeah. um, this, this kind of, this kind of yeah. musical relationship. And as far as the musicians I've gotten to work with, I've been pretty lucky. I've worked with a few that, uh, but like the musicians who played with me on Promising Sky, they're... Um, they're musicians, and they're, they happen to be also very gifted jazz musicians, but they just like to play really good music. And Why Promising Sky is fun for me, because I had done two previous, or three actual previous CDs that are jazz CDs with a quintet, and I'm doing jazz. Um, but with Promising Sky and this particular quartet, it's, it's, I'm excited because it's the first time I've been able to sort of really bring those worlds together. And the same when we get to perform in concert together. You yeah. know, I can pick up my guitar, my dulcimer, do a few things with the band, lay it back down, be a singer with the band, and, and they'll back me up on a poem. And it, I feel, it's the first time I feel like I've really been able to bring my worlds together with my pals, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so, so that's been really fun. It's, it's been a, a, a long process. Yeah, you find that jazz musicians, uh, it's interesting. I find the jazz musicians that um, <clears throat> that actually like the blues and things like that are more open-minded. Yes. Maybe. I mean, because they understand. Well, no, it's true because you'll get some jazz guys that just like you know. Yeah. You, you know the jazz jam and the drummer sin. Can you lay nine on eleven, man? If you can't lay nine on eleven, I don't want nothing to do with you. You know that kind of thing. It's very, you know, it's it's a contest. Yeah. You know, it's a contest, and and for me, not, it's it's not a contest. That's yeah. my main mantra in life. It's not a contest. <laughs> so. in, in, uh, in contrast, I, I remember at a party one time, a, a guitar player came up to us and said, "I think thirteenth chords are stupid." 
<laughs> Where do you go with that? Yeah. Wow. We, yeah. we just kind of went, okay. Yeah. Um, I think we're proceeding the to over there and play the door's 13th over there. chords at that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow, 13th yeah. chords are stupid. I wonder how he feels now. I wonder, I wonder if that was a lasting anxiety or yeah. it might have been so <laughs> it's okay the rapture's coming saturday he won't have to worry that's anymore right. that's right <laughs> we had this discussion earlier with that 13th chords be damned <laughs> we thought should we actually be should we be outside at that point or i don't i, Claudia, I think, you I, think i don't think it matters doesn't matter no okay. but we don't have to do laundry probably <laughs> i like doing laundry yeah. Well, I, I won't miss laundry. No, I won't because I won't be going up there. <laughs> <laughs> we can stop doing laundry right now. There's, there's actually, you know, there's a bump, there's, there was a bumper sticker that was actually like a serious bumper sticker in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned, you know, because yeah. that was them saying, nah, 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 I'm going up yeah. to the rapture. And, um, but then there's been this great answering bumper sticker that says, in case of rapture, can I have your car? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll be us somehow. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, here, we're here with Claudia Schmidt tonight. Uh, so you can send all the emails. For now. <laughs> all the emails, please send to ClaudiaSchmidt.com. Uh, currently based in the Twin Cities. No. No. Traverse City. Oh, oh yes. Traverse Toronto City. City. Okay. But I'll, I am moving, but I'll tell you more about okay. that later. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Prairie Home Companion. You were on for many years. Yes, till 1986 yeah. when I was fired. So, uh-huh. <laughs> you want to talk about that? No, I no, okay. Much to tell. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I never knew. So. <laughs> what did you do? What happened? I probably got too mouthy. Oh no! Come on. Oh, mouthy me. So yeah, <laughs> you never know. But you're back now. You're back, and after a period of time, and we can talk. Not maybe, there. Not there. No, That's they fine. play reruns. Okay. So there's the illusion that I'm still there. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. This is good. <laughs> Now you know my secret. Now yeah, I must yeah. kill you. <laughs> uh, you were at the Cafe Carp recently. Yeah. Down there uh, playing at Bill Camplin's Cafe yeah. Carp. Everybody and Bill and there. I used to work together at uh, the Blue River Cafe in Milwaukee. Back yeah. in the 80s, some of you are, are, went to Blue River Cafe. I think a couple of, yeah, a couple of you, I know a couple of you mentioned that. So it was a wonderful, wonderful club that was right in downtown Milwaukee in the... Uh, in the 80s, late 70s into the mid-80s or so. And uh, that's where we first met, when he was still a touring musician, yeah. before he went into the restaurant life. And then later on, I followed him into the restaurant life in, uh, up in northern Michigan. We've had these kind of parallel paths. Uh, yeah. Was that, um, I don't know, uh, was, it, was, it, was it difficult? <laughs> silly, silly question. You probably, you did it because you loved to do it. Uh, the restaurant? Yeah. Well, no. Um, uh, <laughs> You know, I moved to the island with my, with my then-husband, and we, we, we started a B&B and ran yeah. that for a few years, and that wasn't generating enough income, so we bought this restaurant, thinking that it would help. <laughs> <laughs> Need I say more? And, um, and then you went back so to So for two years, we ran both the B&B and the restaurant, and, yeah. it, and it, was, uh, it was almost fatal. Yeah, it was... It I was could a, see that. Yeah. yeah. But, and in the restaurant, the kitchen was my domain, and uh, so, and I had never done any commercial cooking, so it was, I describe it as kind of like a vertical learning curve, you know? It's like, yeah. it's like whoa, it's five o'clock and the rock is still not up the mountain, you know, I'm prepping. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. Um, but I, I was, I was um, saying to Chris before we started that that's where my, my email address, which is Kitchen Girl, comes from, because uh, 
we used to do these, um, I mean, we, we broke cultural ground. On, this was on Beaver Island in northern Michigan. We broke cultural ground. We were the first restaurant to ever have a wine list. We did fine dining. I had an herb garden out back. I made things with edible flowers, you know. I mean, it was too crazy for, the summer people loved us, but the season was very short. In fact, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you a quick thing. I, I, we had these wonderful wild roses on the island, and I would pick them and make things out of them, and our, our house salad dressing was a rose balsamic vinaigrette. And one day I'm out in the field collecting rose petals, and, and I hear a, one of those Beaver Island pickup trucks coming like, <laughs> down the road, and I hear it slowing down. When I'm going, oh, no. And as the guy's going by, he doesn't come to a complete stop. He leans out the window and says, are you collecting cans or getting salad for tonight? <laughs> right. so, this is what I was up against. Uh-uh. <laughs> but anyway, we did this open mic. We had a pub and we did concerts and kind of like Bill, I mean, getting mm-hmm. wonderful people from all over the country to come and play there. Yeah. We had people yeah. from all over the place come and, and play at the old rectory. And um, in fact, my live at the old rectory, one of my jazz CDs, you can see a picture of the restaurant in the back there. And um, so this one couple, we had this Thursday night open mic that was just packed in the summertime. And everybody from, you know, um, uh, opera singers to 12-man barbershop choirs, anybody who came in the door, I mean, just, it was nuts there. And uh, we had a house band, and when there would be a little break in the action in the kitchen, I would run out and sing a couple songs with the band. And then I'd run back in the kitchen to see what had broken since I was there last. And um, so I called the restaurant business crisis du jour, you know. And uh, (laughs) so... So one of our employees was giving a couple who had come out to open mic night a ride back to town one night, and, and they were just raving. They went, oh, my God, we love the old rectory. The food is so great, and the atmosphere is great, and the music, oh, my God. And, boy, that kitchen girl sure can sing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. This, I, I'm, writing, I'm writing things down. Oh. We, we started earlier about, you know, band names. And, and chew, you talked about chewing on words. Oh, yeah. And these, things, these phrases yeah. just keep coming out of you. you we all, a band names always occur to us. And so far, I have... Um, <laughs> well, this happened before the show. Charcoal Recall. Yeah. I don't, we won't tell you where that comes from. Um, reputedly Perky Bird. That was from your first set. <laughs> yeah. Chewing on words, of course. Crisis du jour. Du jour. And, oh, and boy, that kitchen girl can sing. Those would, that would be a good band lineup at like a, a grunge club. Yeah, at a grunge club. Yeah, yeah. it would. Yeah. All right. I'm going to keep taking notes. <laughs> and what do you have to add to that, Mary? I'm just stunned. <laughs> Happily, thrill, thrilledly. Hey, thrilledly. There's a, there's a, yeah. my, mom would, my mom's an editor, of course. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I done spoke correctly growing up. Well. But I forgot now. You forgot. Yeah. yeah. Should we, uh, Back to some music? Some more music? What do you think? Should we? Claudia Schmidt. Yay. I'm going to do this set all solo, but next set, we've cooked up a couple of numbers together, so uh, we've been practicing for hours. So, you know, I was living on Beaver Island, and, and I got to learn... Um, well, really, for the first time in my life, because I'd been a traveling person my whole life till I moved up there, I got to learn about gardening, really, for the first time, and, and foraging, because I was in one place long enough to learn about those things. And I loved both of them. Um, 
And it's a pretty fundamental thing, I learned. In fact, I think they could take all those, all those silly personality tests that they pull out at the conferences, then the job interviews and things, those, whether they call the Briggs Stratton tests or whatever they're called. And, and, uh, <coughs> 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 throw them out. <coughs> And, um, and just, you know, do the gardener forager personality test. Because it really, I mean, you got your gardeners and you got your foragers. You got your gardeners, it's about a plan, you know, linear expectations. Uh, and then you've got your gardeners, which is like, well, I mean, foragers, let's go out and see what's there. And, and I, I love both of them. And I'm sure we all have many aspects of both in us, just like those other tests. But if I had to choose one, I would definitely, lean, I'm definitely leaning toward the latter. So, um... I'm going to do this piece tonight because it's almost the season. This is called Wild Strawberries. You have to get right down on your stomach. Prostrate in the tall grass. Watch your eyes. The wind can grab one blade blind you before you've even begun to gather. Wait a while. It will take some time before you are able to see those tiny red orbs, no larger than your pinky's first knuckle, hiding in clumps beneath a familiar triad of shiny green leaves. Once you've adjusted your perspective, you realize you're in the thick of them, the ones already crushed beneath you, the ones growing warm in the sun, the scent you want to dab on your most soulful places. You must curb your excitement they are so easily mashed between thumb and finger, never to land in your basket, to calm yourself. Think, think on your relations with your neighbor, your lover, the challenge of community, anything but this bounty of red encircling you. After a very long time. If your mouth hasn't intercepted your hand too often. Your basket is modestly full and you rise up out of the tall grass ready for another round of all of the aforementioned. They are so hard to find so inconvenient to gather. There may be nothing, nothing sweeter. Some people swear if you can just get there before spider, chipmunk, sun, or your very own distractions. Prevent this meeting of flesh and fruit and field. Finally, carry your basket home. Spoon into bowls for yourself. And whoever happens to drop by in this holy moment, the treasure for which you've been so low, 
which was waiting for you, even as you came crawling on your belly toward the grace in unexpected places.
says, but I'm not even off there. I look right back at the same banana moon, neither am I. You're so high. You're so All right, Claudia, Claudia Schmidt. You can catch her at ClaudiaSchmidt.com. Lunatic. What's that? <laughs> this is a two, uh, the first part of a two-part series with Claudia Schmidt. A special thanks tonight to Mr. Luke Cassis, front of house and recording engineer, Mr. Andy Lavalley, our technical producer, Elizabeth Brink, and the Brink Lounge here. Yeah. A special thanks to... To WORT 89.9 Back Porch Radio. All right, and thank you all for listening.